Hey, this is Kari. And this is Alexis. And you're listening to Lit Society, a show about books and drama. Alexis, how are you today? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I'm good because today is a wild card episode and I love when these come around. Um, They're different from our regular episodes because we're not going to discuss a book. We're talking, though, about um, a we're discussing a topic that has something to do with literature in some way. And this month's topic is song lyrics and musical storytellings. And this is kind of um, spilling over from April, which is National Poetry Month. Right, right. So I was digging through NPR's archives, as one does, and I found a quote that perfectly describes today's show. Who's your favorite storyteller? Mark Twain, Flannery O'Connor. What about your favorite musical storyteller? Throughout the millennium, composers as well as writers have delighted and captivated audiences with stories. Although a musical story usually requires a unique musical form, it can also appear in the guise of a more conventional form such as the symphony, end quote. And that's really discussing how sometimes in symphonic works, a composer is trying to tell maybe the story of Romeo and Juliet or even like a child's um, story, like the Pied Piper. You're familiar. Yep, I've heard of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it continues. Often an outrageous story demands an outrageous means of expression. End quote. And I thought that was fitting for today's um, episode. There are some things um, that you can do um, just with the melody of a song to tell a story. But lyrics are unique in that they have the ability to put the listener in a setting completely unfamiliar, completely foreign to them. And the right storyteller can even emote using lyrics and melody simultaneously. So I want to ask you, Alexis. What's an example of a song that stirs you emotionally, even though the experience it describes is completely outside of your world? Uh, One that immediately comes to mind is Love is Blind by Eve. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) That was not on my list, but I see it. Mm -hmm. Every time I hear that song, I get emotional. So tell us about those lyrics. What story is that song telling? It's a story about um, the the rapper's friend who was in an abusive relationship. And she, okay, initially thought it was okay. But then as it went on, it it showed itself as an abusive relationship. And she wanted her friend to be out of that. Her friend wasn't ready to go. And in the end, she kills the man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually, I was looking up a few lists of songs that tell amazing stories or stories just as good as novels. And that was on the list. Yeah, yeah it's a great story. I'm, I'm captivated all the way through. I even looked it up to see if it was a real story for the artist. And I mean, I did that years ago, but I looked it up recently, too. And I found that she actually did an interview with her friend on Queen Latifah's show um, about the situation. I remember that show. So this was her imagination taking his life. This is, was like part of her fantasy. Okay. Mm, Wow. That's really, really like dark. And a lot of these, um, stories that we're going to talk about today are kind of on the dark side because yeah, it's almost, um, innate to music to tell something that, um, pulls sadness out of us. Right. Yeah, I think so, because I, for some reason, I love sad songs. I love (laughs) them. I'm drawn to them. They keep me like comfortable and an emotional cocoon. I love them. 
Yep. And there's nothing better than being in a good relationship and listening to a breakup song you love. Because if you if you ain't in a relationship you want to be in, all the words going to apply to you and you just going to be salty. But when you mm-hmm. feel that romantic love, you like, I can finally appreciate this song from a safe place. From a safe place. <laughs> exactly. So on that note. Let's play a game. <laughs> to just uh, my do you see my face? Do you see? Is you even sucking yeah. joy out of my face? We love putting you on the spot, don't mm. we, readers? So oh <laughs> the game is called Is It a Song or a Toni Morrison novel? <laughs> okay. I hope I know the answer. I am going to give you a synopsis. You tell me if it's a song or a Toni Morrison novel. If you answer correctly, you get a point. If indeed it is a song and you can tell me the song, you get another point. If it is indeed a Toni Morrison novel, tell me the novel and you'll get another point. Five that's rounds. A, that's too much. Oh, five rounds don't seem like a lot. I think I Woo! might be able to make it through. All right, you ready? <laughs> no. <laughs> I believe in you. I believe you can do it. Okay, let's start. Y'all ready out there? Here we go. Round one. Frank Money is a 24-year-old Black American veteran of the Korean War. He returns from an integrated army to a segregated homeland. Every day of his life, he's tortured by scenes of violence from his childhood and the guilt of violence he's inflicted on a child. Frank must gather all of his strength to find himself and a home. Alexis, is it a song or a Toni Morrison novel? Girl, I do not know. Oh, my goodness. It sounds like a Toni Morrison novel, honestly. But to what end? I do not know. Um, A Toni Morrison novel. Ding, ding, ding. You are right. And can you tell me that novel? I think it's one we covered. Am I right? Song of Solomon. Who is Frank Money and Saga Solomon? Eh, you are wrong. It is from Home by Toni Morrison. Okay. I yeah. read the back cover of that book. So that's great. Moving on round two. <laughs> are you ready? Yeah, yeah. Shoot for it. Shoot for it. Okay, here we go. A religious mother fights for her son's attention as she desperately tries teaching him right from wrong. His refusal to listen lands him on the wrong side of the law. In the end, the boy she loves so much will end up dead in a gutter like so many boys before him. Is this a song or a Toni Morrison novel? A song. Ding, ding, ding. And what (laughs) song is it, Alexis? (laughs) Can I hear the synopsis again? Sure. A religious mother fights for her son's attention as she desperately tries teaching him right from wrong. His refusal to listen lands him on the wrong side of the law. In the end, the boy she loves so much will end up dead in a gutter like so many boys before him. I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say, don't go chase a waterfall. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Waterfalls by TLC. Trust yourself, girl. Waterfalls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Round okay. three. You ready? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm excited now. <laughs> Content warning. Uh, the rest of the three rounds, let's see. Yeah, the next three rounds will touch on matters of assault, including assault of a sexual nature. Okay, round three. An 11-year-old Black girl is convinced of her ugliness, so she prays for blue eyes to make her beautiful. Her mind becomes troubled more when she is subjected to an incestuous assault, which leaves her insane. In the wake of her insanity, it's realized that the girl was never ugly. Is this a song or a Toni Morrison novel? A Toni Morrison novel. You got it. Are you three for three? Please. (laughs) (laughs) This has never happened. (laughs) Never. Like literally never. So please, Alexis, which novel by Toni Morrison does this describe? The Bluest Eye. That's right. The Bluest (laughs) Eye by Toni Morrison. Have you read that? I started reading it. Yes, but work that in a way. Let's move on. Round four. Remember, there are five rounds. Here we go. Penultimate. Mm -hmm. A single father becomes addicted to heroin. His 12-year-old daughter is assaulted as a minor by an older cousin. She gives birth to her child in secret and throws the newborn in a dumpster before changing her mind and deciding to raise the baby on her own. Not yet a teenager and with no job or home, she works as a prostitute before found slain by an unknown John. Is this a song or a Toni Morrison novel? I don't know this song. I think it's a song. Is that your final guess? Your final answer? Yeah, it's a song. Ding, ding, ding. Alexis, you're good. <laughs> Listeners at home, let us know if you're keeping up with Alexis. <laughs> so unbelievable. <laughs> and can you guess maybe the song? It sounds, I, I don't think I've ever heard this song, but it, I don't know. I, I just think it's a song. It's, um, mm. <laughs> this is a reach. Okay. It's a reach. Okay. Brenda's got a baby. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Brenda's got a baby by Tupac. Why is that a reach? <laughs> that is exactly the same. You've never heard Brenda's Got a Baby? No. No, never heard it. Well, let me show you how it affects our whole community. Moving on. Round five. Oh, (laughs) wow. I'm really doing good. Final round. You are, um, uh, so far you could have gotten eight points and you have seven. Mm, Wow. Still up for the grand prize, which again is a million dollars. Here we go. Whatever. (laughs) Hoping to impress friends and find a date in a popular New York hangout, a man is robbed. Consoling himself in the arms of a close female friend, he is caught in a compromising situation by that friend's boyfriend. The man then decides to kill the boyfriend. Okay, with her boyfriend now being dead, the female friend suggests that she and the man sell the drugs once owned by her boyfriend. The man agrees, but kills her in order to keep the money for himself. That's not funny. Also, this is a horrible hustle. It's gone wrong, all wrong. Listen. 
He is soon <laughs> He is soon caught by police and oh, forced okay. to endure assault repeatedly in prison. Alexis. <laughs> I don't know. I never read anything like it. I heard this song. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Oh, Can you guess? it sounds so horrible. <laughs> Do. Hmm. Um, which is why it's so hard to guess which one it is. <laughs> oh my goodness. If it's a book, I don't want to read it. Okay. And if it's a song, I'm tired of listening to it already. <laughs> um, I'm going to say it's a song. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Hey. And so okay. they put a, they Come put on, a beat to that. They put a beat to that. They put, <laughs> they a, put beat to a beat it. to that. And it became a classic. A classic. Mm. Oh. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Again, again, I don't know. I don't for sure I don't know this one. So I think you do, and I can give you a hint for this one. Okay. Um, this artist's songs are usually more lighthearted. They're more about how suave he is. Um, they're usually filled with jokes, even. But this song was a story that he thought up that's just infused with pain. It's almost a divergence from what he usually uh raps about. And he's also English, like Jane Austen. <laughs> is it Slick no, Rick the Ruler? No, not uh, 21 Savage. What'd you say? <laughs> is it Slick Rick the Ruler? It is Slick Rick. The song is The Moment I Feared. Then they rolled on me and told me to run them. This was the moment I feared. It was the moment I feared. Hey! I do know that song, You see why he was fearing them moments. But he was inflicting all the fear. So whatever. I do know that song. On that note, would you like to take a quick break? Yes, let's take a break. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> and we're back. Woo! Well, that was a dinger. I tell you what, the first time I am a winner like that. You know what, Kari? I heard you got to talk to somebody special on this very topic. Who was yes. it? Yes, yes. Um, I got to discuss song lyrics and what they mean to um, a specific writer. Um, and this is a writer whose book we covered at the end of our second season last mm -hmm. August, uh, The Final Revival of Opal and Nev. Yes, Donnie Walton. That's right. So I wanted to talk to Donnie more about how music has helped her become a wonderful writer and inspiring writer um, and how music continues to inspire her as she writes and lives today. First of all, Donnie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. As a seasoned um, publication editor turned novelist, I just want to let you readers know that Donnie's worked at Essence Entertainment Weekly, just to name a few. There are other publications and big names under her belt, but that gave her an experience. I don't want to speak for you, but that gave her like a professional experience um, so that she could have firsthand knowledge, not just in the music world, but in the publishing industry. And that all led to her debut 
debut novel, The Final Revival of Opal and Nev, which we reviewed in our second season. It's a fictional story, but it's written as a brilliant profile on one of the greatest and most misunderstood rock duos in history, Opal and Nev. And it interviews those responsible for Opal and Nev's rise to fame and gets their accounts also on the event that led to a man's death and the group's ostracization by industry insiders and wannabes for years to come drama. So (laughs) that's a good synopsis. I need to record on my end. (laughs) That was great. So I wanted to ask you, Donnie, in this episode where we're discussing storytelling and music, how has music influenced you as a storyteller? Oh, wow. Uh, Music has been part of my life for literally as long as I can remember. I'm talking about the youngest memories being in a car with my parents in the backseat with the windows down and listening to the radio. And what were they Um, listening to? (laughs) Oh, gosh. I remember... Diana Ross upside down was a huge (laughs) hit that that my mother loved. Um, But really we were like a Stevie Marvin Gaye household Mm -hmm. when I was little. I remember lots of, isn't she lovely? When I was little, I remember what's going on the album. Mm -hmm. My dad always had like a giant record collection Mm -hmm. and it was everything from, you know, instrumental jazz to, you know, I don't know, uh, some of the, of course, the R&B and soul hits of of the time I was growing up. This would have been like the early 80s um, when I was little, late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, she looked 23, so this is great. Go ahead. (laughs) Baby. (laughs) Um, And I just... I think that music is so inextricably tied to memories and to kind of how we tell our own stories of of our our upbringing, almost as if your life has a soundtrack to it. And I remember, you know, being a teenager and music in the this would be in the you know, early nineties, the very early nineties music really being revolutionary in lots of ways. You know, we're talking about the golden age of hip hop. You know, my cousin Mike introduced me to native tongue. So it was like tribe called quest and De La Soul and all sort of the hip hop weirdos backpacker types that I love. And as you're finding yourself as a teenager, this is uh-huh. you can't just leave the house and go travel and experience the world. So music brings the world to you. I love that. It really does. And at the time, too, what you listened to was sort of an expression of who you were. And and that's that has good things about it and bad things about it. Um, but it was, you know, it was a big deal on Tuesdays when the albums came out and you would go to, you know, whatever Virgin, Virgin (laughs) Tower, whatever was close to you. Coconuts was the chain in my hometown. (laughs) And it would just be so exciting to have like the packaging Mm -hmm. and the liner notes and and to hear the the music and have the lyrics in your hand at the Mm -hmm. same time. And it was almost like an imprinting. Mm -hmm. And so, like I was saying, no, it was hip hop, but it was also alternative rock. It was indie you know, indie music from the UK. It was all these things that I was really deeply interested in. And it just, you know, it just 
I still feel an ache in my chest when I think about those days Mm. because I think music is kind of different right now. Um, And and again, like I said, there's good things about that and bad things about it. It's much more accessible. um, And what you listen to is much less defining of who you are as a person, which I think is, is a good thing in a lot of ways. And you can go to a streaming service and just sample this and sample that. And so like, that's really fun. But there's something about that deep, deep connection. There's something about music videos, you know, Mm, like MTV Mm -hmm. and VH1, BET, like all those channels after school, you just watch your music videos. Mm -hmm. And um, it's almost a colder type of environment now, uh, more Mm -hmm. industry driven. Uh, which means more money driven. And that's not always a great thing. So yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. I remember being little and hearing um, Diana Roscoe, I'm aware that you cheating. And I was like, this is uh, not mm. the kind of music I should be listening to. But but no one makes me feel like the, you, the do. Way you do. Mm. I was too little to know about that <laughs> when it was a hit, but I was singing it with my mother. Right. And, you know, for me, Music I love has always been a combination of the music itself being irresistible or creating some kind of reaction in my body, along with the lyrics being meaningful. Mm -hmm. It's like those two things have to hit Mm -hmm. for me at the same time. And when they hit, it's like such a beautiful, overwhelming experience. Um, I commiserate it with your um, with you being drawn to bands like Nirvana as you were growing up. Mm -hmm. And it was such a detour from what you were raised on. But by appreciating Mm -hmm. that type of music and when I think of Nirvana, I'm not thinking of lyrics. I'm thinking of like the story that they make me feel. If if the music we listen to is the soundtrack to our life, then I remember where I was when I first heard something even like Teen Spirit and Mm -hmm. why that. Um, why I was so attracted to that music. The lyrics are like, take them or leave them. They just go go with the the melody. But that melody spoke to whatever I was going through in the moment. Exactly. Like the, the music itself is, it has some emotion to it that like is, is unfamiliar and strange and mm-hmm. unlocks the curiosity. And then the lyrics to a song like Smells Like Teen Spirit, I had no idea what they meant, but it felt like a do mystery you know? that I wanted. If you do tell me. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, you know, it's sort of about teenage angst and alienation and, and all of those things that kind of the, the music is expressing. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, was it was it was always such a it was a mystery to unlock. And it was like you could everyone could kind of have their own interpretation. Mm-hmm. And I think about two other bands that I was into at the time, like R.E.M., you know, mm-hmm. R.E.M., you know, when I would read music magazine, it was like, this is what they're playing on college, right? College mm-hmm. rock, you know, college campuses. Yeah. And I was very like kind of curious about that because mm-hmm. I was a little nerd. Mm-hmm. And those lyrics were also so kind of enigmatic, but really beautiful mm-hmm. to a song, you know, like Losing My Religion, of course, was their big hit. And they wanted but... you to know the lyrics they were speaking. They made sure to um, enunciate every word so that you knew what story they were telling. And I like that you yeah. said it was like college campus music because that's not a world uh, maybe you were even old enough to be a part of. You were kind of forcing your way into it but through the music. Um, and exactly. I think that can be a, a very um, teenage kind of rebellious act too. in an innocent way. It's kind of beautiful. So do you think that having this diverse taste in music, um, you know, from jazz, soul to um, alternative rock and even college rock made you a better storyteller and writer? 
Um, I think so, because I think for me, you know, writing uh, Final Revival of Opal and Nev, a lot of that was about voices mm-hmm. and about writing in different voices that felt authentic and really um fun in some ways to write and I feel like all these songs are expressing different vibes different moods different political states honestly you know if you think about um hip-hop you know if you think about the difference between like an NWA and a tribe called Quest and the Mm -hmm. different things that they're trying to represent because the music was representative of different kind of states of mind and um, I think that it was very helpful to me to be able to really absorb that and sort of understand what those different representations were and then reflect them out through the characters Mm -hmm. on the page. I love uh, the final revival of Opal and Nev. Here you guys go if you're watching us on YouTube, because it's not really about um, the music in a literal sense. There aren't pages of lyrics um, or chapters about the minutia of storytelling, which other books have gotten into and which is fine. But instead, this book is more about the characters and how they're living the music. They're like the embodiment of the early 70s and the art um, that that environment produced. So I wanted to ask you, you were um, going that way in your conversation, but was it difficult to write from the heads and hearts of these different characters? You have an English rocker, um, you know, Opal, who's from the South and who is discovering herself and coming of age during the time when she's also rising to stardom. How did you get into the heads and hearts of these these characters that you don't know firsthand? You can't know them, right? Do you know them? I don't. I mean, I I only know them in the sense that we all do Mm -hmm. sort of watching people, celebrities, idols from afar and watching their interviews and reading, you know, their Q&As and profiles and things like that. But I will say that the voice that came most naturally to me and the voice that came first was Opal. And I think it's because, you know, even though she is born and raised in Detroit, all of us are a little bit Southern because of the great yeah, migration and all of these things. I was actually thinking yeah. of her going uh-huh. to visit her family in the South and then coming yes. back up. But yeah, she was born That's and right. raised in Detroit. Okay. Yeah. But she's still very Southern in the things that, that she says and the things that she, you know, appreciates in terms of black culture and food and, and, and political expression and all of these things. And so like that came naturally to me because I was thinking about my mother and my grandmothers and my aunties and just sort of channeling kind of the most outrageous, larger than life versions Mm -hmm. of of those women and, and funneling it into Opal as well as, you know, women like everyone from say, you know, Eartha Kitt to Nina Simone to um, all of these women that I, I have really loved in entertainment. Yeah, you've absorbed them through their art and that's Mm -hmm. how you know them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nev was harder. um, And I actually one of the great things about um, going to to graduate school (laughs) was. um, Yeah. So the the great thing was that, you know, I was workshopping the novel and um, Margot Livesey was one of my professors and Margot is 
Scottish, I think, but did most of her growing up in in England Mm. and was really able to um, not so much with the voice, because I think I, you know, I kind of understood Neb's voice, Mm -hmm. the fact that he kind of speaks in run on sentences Mm -hmm. and like things like that. I knew the rhythm of his voice, but understanding his context. So what Margot made me think about was, you know, this is post-war England. It's going to be, there's going to be some things that affect his life because of that. Um, And I hadn't even really considered that. And she helped me kind of integrate some of the um, you know, some of the, the history that mm-hmm. was going on as well as the culture, you know, Radio Luxembourg and all mm-hmm. these shows that people would sort of come together and watch or, mm-hmm. or, or radio programs that they would listen to. And so that was that was hugely helpful and kind of getting Nev's perspective. And then also just like reading about music of the era, mm-hmm. you know, and understanding that a lot of the British bands of that time, including, you know, probably the most famous example of this is the Rolling Stones is when they wanted kind of a more soulful element to their music. They were bringing black women into the studio with mm-hmm. them. So we think about Mary Clayton singing on Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. Like that's what that was about. But it was only one example of many that that happened. Mm-hmm. These English English bands kind of looking to the black church, looking to, you know, black women who had had experience singing in the church to kind of add that element to amplify their sound and the emotion of the music and not hiding the influences because we're all influenced by someone so why not pay respect to the influences exactly appreciate that so what one event would you say birthed these characters in your mind you took your time writing this book um obviously they were going back these opal and nev and all the supporting characters were going back and forth in your head and as you were developing their story what event really sparked the creation of this novel Mm. Yeah. So the event was in 2013 and I was watching uh, a documentary called 20 Feet from Stardom, Okay, which I don't know if you've seen that, but Mm. it won the Oscar the year it came out for best documentary. And it's about background singers, Mm. Uh, most of them black women who like, you know, they're voices, but not necessarily their names. Mm -hmm. And it's about like the things like the difference between uh, who is able to become a star and who isn't. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, it's, it's a fantastic documentary, but at the very start of that film, they're just showing different like concert scenes. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they show Concert footage from Stop Making Sense, which is a a film uh, Talking Heads concert, right? Uh, Iconic film. And you see David Byrne, who I absolutely love. I've always loved Talking Heads, Mm -hmm. kind of at center stage. And he's being his weird, amazing (laughs) self. But then to his left, you see these two black women and they are just so incredibly joyful and committed to the music and they have these micro braids and they have these bright red lipstick Mm -hmm. and these gray short sets that match what he's wearing and I just loved them so much Mm -hmm. and I felt like I wanted to pull one of them to center stage with David Byrne and sort of watch what would happen between Mm -hmm. them for the rest of the concert oh you were like Nev you wanted them up front (laughs) One of them up front, one of them up front. And so that was the spark 
of the characters. So it started with kind of an idea about this dynamic of, you know, um, a black woman rocker and a white male rocker, and they were sort of on equal footing, Mm -hmm. right? They were both in the spotlight together and what would have had to happen to bring them together and, and eventually what forces would would drive them apart Mm. right and so those two characters the kind of archetype for the characters was something that stuck in my head Mm -hmm. uh and i just kept like riffing off of that and and asking myself you know what if questions Mm -hmm. and And, and that led to to the story so what was your process to form i'm sure you worked very closely with your editor this is your first book and it's so well done. What was your process to really get that story down to make sure the character arc made sense? Um, how many times did you have to start over or rewrite yeah. certain full sections <laughs> of the book? <laughs> Let me tell you, I had no idea what I was doing. I really didn't. I mean, I I could write. Of course, um, yeah. I had been a journalist and an editor for for a number of years by that point. And I'd had some experience editing oral histories mm-hmm. um, and I always loved them. But in terms of novel structure and fiction, I had never been really formally educated mm-hmm. in, in craft. And so when I started the book, I was moving on instinct and just really writing to please myself mm-hmm. and to um, go down rabbit holes of my own curiosity. You know, I, I didn't really know that it was going to like lead to all of this. It was just a passion project, something for fun that I did before work. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I had tried to write fiction before, you know, I've written like little short stories, but nothing ever felt really right. And I reached a point in this project where it suddenly felt really right in my gut. What was that like point? I, felt I was sorry. What was that point? You know, I think that's so much of a creative life. Um, There's so much uncertainty Mm -hmm. and sometimes it takes a little bit of affirmation Mm -hmm. from outside to, to understand that, that you're doing something right. And for me, it was a a writer friend of mine uh, who was successful and published. Um, He took a look at my first pages and he said, this is really good. Like you should, you should really try to go for this. There's no reason why you shouldn't like really Mm -hmm. take a chance on yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that was very instrumental to me, like having the gall (laughs) to say (laughs) that like I could try to do this thing Mm -hmm. that I didn't really have much education in um and and kind of in a way humble myself and Mm -hmm. start from from scratch and be open to um learning uh and so what happened was, you know, I, I applied to a fellowship with a recommendation from this writer friend and and I got in and I had I remember I applied around Christmas time and I made a promise to myself before I hit the submit button. I said, if I get this, I'm going for it like mm-hmm. all the way. And I ended up really being surprised when when I did get in um, and then I just kind of followed my own promises to myself, oh, wow. you know. Um, sometimes that's the hardest thing is to keep the promise you made to yourself. Yes. And that's, 
that's the brave part. Mm -hmm. That's the hard part. Yeah. Sacrificing other things to make sure this passion is seen, seen to the end. Well, I want to ask you, um, what are you listening to these days? And we talked about how the music um, scene has changed, but is there anything that's inspiring you uh, musically to write your next book? And are you writing another book? What are you doing? Well, yeah, I do hope to write another book. I, I have an idea um, that I am trying to get obsessed with because oh, that's the thing. Like I in order it. to like see a project through to completion, like I think you do to a certain degree have to be obsessed with it. Sure. And so that's where I'm at right now. I do have some characters in mind. I do have a story in mind and I've just been like in a place of really thinking about it and jotting down thoughts and ideas and little scenes. So, you know, I, I hope it doesn't take as long as the first <laughs> one, but, but we'll see. Is there anyone Um, um, musically that's inspiring you with your storytelling? Well, you know, I I have to say this, this question is tough for me because I, you know, I'm going to be 46 in June and I am woefully, oh, thank you. Thank you. But I am woefully out of touch with like current music, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I think what happened in writing Opal and Nev was like, I kind of just, became more obsessed with music from that era and just going deeper and deeper um, into stuff that I didn't know and discovering all those things. So I'm still kind of in that space. Um, And the next book I write, like I'm, of course, I think music is part of everything that I write, but I don't know if it will be so central. Okay. So, um, but I will say that probably what's going to happen is I'm going to be listening to some nineties stuff. Oh, 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 because there's going to be <laughs> I can't wait. hopefully if <laughs> if things go according to what I'm thinking, there's going to be like a big section that takes place in that era. And maybe even if the story isn't germane to 90s music, it can still influence maybe the the whole vibes. Of oh, the what? vibe. Exactly. <laughs> like it'll be in the background, you know. Um, oh, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So always we ask, um, what are you reading these days? And no pressure, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so the great thing about um having a book out that people seem to like, which I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really thankful for, is that you get sent all these amazing books that are coming out. <laughs> and so I feel woefully underread with like books that are out right now, but I got you on later <laughs> this year and 2023. <laughs> so, um, but there's a book out now that I, that I blurbed that I loved called Post Traumatic mm. um, by Chantal V. Johnson. Um, very great uh, novel about, um, a woman who's an attorney, um, for kind of, um, people struggling with mental illness Mm -hmm. and, but she has her own kind of traumas that she's dealing with, but it sounds really dark and it is in some ways, but it's also really funny. Um, and sort of is looking at trauma through a different kind of, um, like a young black woman's lens, Mm -hmm. which, which I really loved. Um, and there's a book coming out, uh, in August called all this could be different. Uh, by Sarah Tankum Matthews, mm-hmm. a beautiful book about friendship and about kind of um, a group of friends who are trying to move toward their version of a better world. Mm-hmm. Um, 
through kind of like communal living and it just has such beautiful characters. It's a book that I really, really loved. Um, and of course, Shine Bright by Danielle Smith. Uh, is a book that I, I blurbed and loved, and that's nonfiction. And Danielle Smith, uh, for those who don't know, I mean, she's like the goat of um, music journalists. Mm-hmm. She used to be the editor of Vibe magazine and was an editor at large for Time Inc. and and all of these things. But it's her sort of tribute to Black women, women in music from Gladys Knight to Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. Um, it's just a really beautiful and, and really personal book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danielle is sort of recounting, you know, stories from her youth and how the music is connecting to them. Uh, so that's, those are, those are three books that I've read lately and, and loved. Well, I can't yeah. wait to get into those. Thank you again, Donnie, for sharing your time with us. We can't wait to see what you produce in the future. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Have a great day. You too. That was a great interview, Kari. Great job again. Applause to you and thank you to Donnie. Thank you so much, Donnie, for um, donating your time to us. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I really love the alchemy involved in taking inspiring musical um, creations and from that pulling literature. So thank you for that inspiration. Well, to conclude, Alexis, I thought we could just discuss some songs that have very... mm, inspiring, very exceptional storytelling inside of them. Um, Songs that really feel like books when you listen to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But do they have to be inspiring? Because when I went back in my mind, they weren't necessarily inspiring, but they was great storytelling. Okay, Engaging, if nothing else. Well, tell Mm -hmm. me, who are you thinking of? Well, you mentioned him in the game. So I'm going to start with Slick Rick. Slick mm-hmm. Rick, the Slick Rick, because I sure. was a big fan back in the day. And he had a um, I think one of his most popular was the children's story. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it was, you know, you're just it has the same parts that a story has. It has sure. the beginning. It has an arc. It has um, all of it as a mm-hmm. conclusion. It's It's just all there. So you can just ride along with the song and even dance to it because it's music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lyric within the song because it takes you back to storytelling. Once upon a time, not long ago, when people wore pajamas and lived life slow. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> just that part stands out to me. I just love it. So with a lot of these songs, I noticed the first lyric is the mm-hmm. setting. It's the time of their life, the year or the date. Always. And that's a great way to instantly jolt the listener and put them wherever you are in that story. Crashed into a tree near university, (laughs) escaped alive, though the car was battered, rat-a-tat-tat, and all the cops scattered, ran out of bullets and still had static, grabbed a pregnant lady and pulled out the automatic. I won't go any further. He has a hostage. (laughs) Oh, what's going to happen next? (laughs) 
<laughs> but I he tell pulled you. you in right away. Mm-hmm. I just was, you know, grabbed in. What's going to happen to the pregnant lady? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a song. That's a favorite of mine. When I think of any storytelling song, he is who I go to because yeah. he's like a master storyteller, in my opinion. So speaking of master storytellers, I also think of Mariah Carey, who has a master class right now on uh, musical oh, storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And remember when we read her book, one of the coolest things to me is how as she's describing her life, she'll pause and say, and this is when the lyrics for this song came yep. to mind because yep. this had just happened. And so I wrote this down and one was the roof. She even says that the lyrics aren't, you know, that they're not fantastical, something that can't happen to anyone, just completely unbelievable. They're pretty mundane, but it's the fact that it happened to her and she sings them like it happened to her. And that Mm. um, mundane part of life, that's what people can relate to, because um, it's those little moments that we can just treasure forever and everyone can relate to that. Yeah. Um, And then. Speaking of love songs, I also do you remember Airborne Toxic event? I think they're still together. Oh, that doesn't sound familiar, but I may know songs. Well, they put out a song in 2008 called um, Sometime Around Midnight. And Mm -hmm. it starts with um, and it starts sometime around midnight, or at least that's (laughs) when you lose yourself for a moment or two. And it starts sometime around midnight. Or at least that's when you lose yourself for a minute or two. And I love this song because a guy's having like a great time um, out with his friends when his ex walks into the bar and just seeing her and how good she looks and how happy she is just makes him sick. And then he like ends up walking around in the streets. It's very like um, uh, maybe James Joyce Ulysses and that kind of this one thing that happened regarding love. And so everything else is affected by that so strongly. Um, So it's like a domino effect because you saw this one person or this one person did something to you or is doing something to you. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I love that song. That that um, is a song I recommend you listen to if you have a chance sometime around midnight by the Airborne Toxic event. Uh, What else is on your your playlist, Alexis? And maybe we should put these songs together and put them on Spotify. Yeah, that would be Some fun. Some of them. That would be fun. Now, I've got plenty. Um, <laughs> another one that stands out to me, and I just love this song, is You Got Me by The Roots and That's Erica Badu. List. Yes. Well, you talk Agreed. about it first then, and well, I'll just add in. <laughs> well, um, Black Thought is the ultimate storyteller, right? So mm-hmm. he pulls you in right right away, again, tells you the the time the place the and planet how he, was small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, because he met someone that he had lived near in the States, but he met them overseas and he fell in love with her. And no matter what life brought them, they lived very different lives. She was in school. He's a performer. Um, she just wanted him to know, even though I'm fine, you know, and I'm around all these people that want mm-hmm. me. It's, it's only you I have eyes for. Um, But there's a lot of doubt in his words and you don't necessarily trust her or him uh, for some reason. And it's not because it's explicit in the lyrics. It's the way it's delivered. And Mm -hmm. I don't trust the fact that you, you know, swapped out Jill Scott for Erica, both great artists. Well, there was a reason for that. Oh, tell me, you know, the reason um, Jill Scott was too new at the time. 
That's not that's a good why, enough reason, but that whatever. Is, that is why they use Erica. But if you've ever heard Jill's rendition of it, you know it's fire. Mm-hmm. Like on fire, light a match, okay? Right. And then, of course, Eve is in it, and she does I a was great job, say, too. Mm-hmm. And Erica does her thing, you know. Yeah, it's still amazing course. with Erica. Of course, of course. What was it about <laughs> the storytelling in that song that you loved? I love love stories. And Mm -hmm. it's a love story to me Um, about two people getting together. I mean, they lived near each other. Sounds like in the same building. Down the hall. And then they found Mm -hmm. each other Mm -hmm. in another country and fell in love. And I I just love love stories. Somebody told me that this planet was small. We used to live in the same building on the same floor. And never met before until I'm overseas on tour. And beat this Ethiopian queen from Philly taking classes abroad. She's studying. Again, I told y'all like the sadness. They just can cool me up. And I could just sing them to myself all night. So that's it's part of that collection of songs that I could just keep on replay all the time. Yeah, yeah, same here. I completely agree. Uh, do you remember The Message by Furious Five and Grandmaster Flash? Yes, yes. We've talked about that on this show before. Uh, my dad had the album um, mm-hmm. and knew the, the lyrics by heart. Uh, but that is a song that is uh, full of life lessons, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right. Um, the lyrics to that, uh, you know, lets you know the first line, broken glass everywhere. There's urine on the floor. People don't care. You know, I can't take the smell. I can't take the noise. Got no money to move out. I guess I got no choice. Yeah. Um, And there are like two or three uh, stories or like novels in that song. Yeah. Um, The first is from his experience. And then he's talking about a woman who kind of lost herself in the streets. And then a boy who, you know, he thought he's cool. I'm no fool. But then you wind up dropping out of high school. Now you're unemployed, (laughs) all non-void. But yeah, I really love that. I love when each lyric or each verse is its own book. Mm -hmm. What about you? What's next on your your playlist? Um, I'm going to go with Stand by Eminem, which is oh. a, really a true, um, very touching story about um, kind of a obsessive disorder. Within <laughs> well, that's, bands. it's funny that you say that because everyone loves standing someone nowadays. <laughs> you yeah, know, people tell you that they're a Beyonce stand or whoever. Yeah, mm-hmm. but to what end? To what end? And this was to the detriment of himself, his his family, and and that um isn't good. It's such a, I think, a powerful true story. And from what I understand, Eminem wrote it because there were people that were believing every bit of his words, and he just like, I'm an entertainer. I do it for mm-hmm. entertainment. This is not what I live, breathe, and thrive off of. But it just don't it make very- my songs your religion. Yeah, it was a very telling story. And I, I really love that song. And I love the version with Dido in it um, mm-hmm. because she has really great lyrics. And she has such a sensitive voice that with those dark lyrics, it, it's really um, like a dark beauty uh, that they form together. I think storytelling is just very um, big in music especially around um, a certain time period, like the early 90s, there was maybe Mm -hmm. late 80s, early 90s, a lot of music included storytelling. So um, another one that stands out to me is uh, Good Day by Ice Cube. Oh, of course. Yeah. 
Um, that one is very interesting because he it was a good day in South Central L.A., you know, and we've mm-hmm. heard stories about that. But ultimately, what I learned today is that they found the actual day that that applied to, which is really cool. <laughs> they said that was January 20th, 1992. Isn't that okay, amazing? Sure. Whatever. I mean, <laughs> they were able to deduce that based on the lyrics in the song. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's very cool. I was loving it. But it's, you know, today was a good day. It's a good song. And there's this fear that hovers over the song that something bad is going to happen at any moment. Yeah, it never does. It never does. But and I think that's what makes it also a really great song. Mm -hmm. And then another one, if I may, Uh Just a Friend (laughs) by Biz Marquis. Okay, (laughs) and you say she's just a friend, right? And you say she's just a friend. Oh, baby, you, you know. What about uh, Regulate by Warren G? (laughs) You know, it's not on my list, but I know it's a good song. Okay. It could be there. there. It could be there. (laughs) You got another one before I go on with my list? Because I got some more. Okay. Well, my final one was a song where um, someone is talking about this woman that they loved and how she moved away and kind of fell in with the wrong crowd and came back completely different. He barely recognized her. um, And it was someone that he kind of grew up loving. So it was hard to find himself without his love, without this woman to love. Um, And in the end, he's like, and she was hip hop herself. (laughs) (laughs) And I love Joe. Which is so cheesy, but it it works. I love it. Wait, wait, wrong song, wrong song. Um, (laughs) Chicago's own Commons, I Used to Love Her. But what was the name of the movie that's from? Brown sugar, brown but sugar. it is not from brown sugar. It, it so you're thinking of sugar? love of my life with Erica oh. Badu in common, and that's cute for you. Okay, I love that song. I told you I love ballads and duets and whatnot. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go no, ahead. please. That was my the final one on my list. What else do you have? Okay, just a couple here. Okay, okay. listen, the Ghetto Boys. I don't know if you know them. I've had nightmares as a child, if that's your question. (laughs) But they had this story um, song called My My Mind is Playing Tricks on Me, which was like, yeah, I was really jamming to that song. But if you watch the video, it's pretty scary, okay? (laughs) Just say that. And then um, People Every Day by Arrested Development. Oh, it's not called everyday people. I am everyday people, but it's a it's called people every day. Okay, okay. And then a big favorite of mine is a folk song. Mm-hmm. It's called Cats in the Cradle. Do you know that song? <laughs> and the silver spoon, lizard boy blue, and the man on the moon. <laughs> when we tell home, boy, don't know where but we'll, we'll make get it together, together then. Yeah. We'll get together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. Uh, well, I mean, the gambler, the gambler by Kenny Rogers is another good one. So, oh, yeah, Alexis getting in her bag. <laughs> okay, well, and on that way- note. <laughs> 
I'm just kidding, girl. Go ahead. No, I'm stopped. That's the end of it. I, I was going to dive deeper, but I, you know, I said, let me just stop. Let me cut. Cut up and start pulling out my country songs. And, you know, I could get further. I could. I could go further. <laughs> oh, you know, you made me think of Andrea Buccelli's um, Time to Say Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> that song is a, really beautiful. Yeah, that's a beautiful And that's song. like, um... Time to say goodbye. I can when, we're, when we're like, uh, you know, alone, sleeping and dreaming, and we think about these experiences we've had and these relationships that have ended, and it's kind of about places and times in our life that we'll never be able to go back to and we can't take people with us there. Um, If there's a a special time in my life that I hold dear and I meet someone later on in my life, I can't take them back to that special time. Each moment we get in every place we're in, um, it's like a gift that we have to appreciate because we won't necessarily get it back. And um, someone who wrote beautiful songs uh, like that with a lot of thought into put into them of course is Dolly Parton Mm. and in a book called Unlikely Angel the songs of Dolly Parton Lydia um, Hammersley uh, both pulled quotes from the author and I believe spoke with her personally Um, but you might be surprised to know what Dolly Parton's favorite song is that she's written can you guess nine to five it's coat of many colors. Oh, and I okay. encourage well. everyone to listen to Coat of Many Colors by um, Dolly Parton. Um, that song is a is true story, as is often with her, um, where as a young child, you know, they were very poor. They got a box full of rags um, and she didn't have a coat that season. So her mom sewed together these rags to make her a, co- a coat. And while her mom was making that coat, she told Dolly about the story of Joseph and how his dad really loved him and made him that different colored coat. Mm-hmm. So when Dolly heard that, she was so proud to have this coat um, that was made from someone who was talented and loves her just like Joseph's dad loved him. She was proud to wear that coat until she went to school and they called it rags. Mm. They insulted her. Um, but in the end, she, you know, in her heart was never ashamed to wear that quote, that coat because it was more valuable than any clothing they ever owned. Um, so this song is both performed simply and written about a simple moment in time But again, very relatable because it's um, talking about the love of a parent for a child Mm. and how that love um, or appreciating the love that we have in our life can make us feel wealthy no matter how much money we have. I love Um, that. So that's it. That's all I have for this week's wildcard episode or this month's wildcard episode. What did you think about our discussion? Any final thoughts? Well, I love it. Um, I, I never think of it just on the surface as um, music and rap and songs connect to, you know, stories and books until you sit and think about it. I mean, you Mm -hmm. know, it's telling the story. I fall in love with them because there's a story in it versus a song that's just a different verse to verse. I love the story. And Mm -hmm. I think that is what makes me love, um, um, books even more mm-hmm. and it loves it helps me appreciate um 
artists who write stories, like truly write stories in their songs. I appreciate them so much more and, and value their contribution because I love a good story. So. Same here. Yeah, it's one of my biggest um, issues, too, with short stories. Um, again, <laughs> I think about um, When a Man Falls from the Sky. I think yeah. that's the right book. I'll pull it up while I'm, I'm talking. But there's a, there are a couple stories in there that I just hate because I want them to be full books. Another one is um, Evolution or Exhalation by Exhalation, Ted Chay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, go I ahead. love when stories, I love short stories. Yes, you long for more. They remind me of, you know, they're doing this thing now where they're doing this short, short movies. I don't know what they call them. Um, where instead of being just a two hour movie, they'll have it over three days. Three. Oh, okay. And I love that because I am like tired of uh, sitcoms that go on for years and years. Like, or three hour movies. Stop giving us three hour <laughs> movies. When did that become the standard, Batman? <laughs> James Bond? Why are you doing this? We have lives. Well, also, I think that's different. So I'm just going to say that. Stretch and step out for no reason. Don't do it. Just make it short because mm-hmm. I like it in snippets. I don't have to have a whole bunch of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's make how it I short and complete, succinct, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And the book is uh, What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky by Leslie Nika Arima. So I want to make sure I put that out there. Is that going to be a movie soon? Oh, no. <laughs> but I know what else? you're talking about. Not not based on this. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what are we reading next week, Kari? Homegoing by Ya Jassy. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Lit Society. We look forward to meeting up with you next week, Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Anaria and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcast, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us. We love you too. If you are listening over Spotify, be sure to give us a five-star rating as well. If you've enjoyed what you've just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. And until next time, read something. Read something. Read something.